Um, welcome, if you're watching online later this week, my name is Stephen, I'm the lead pastor, and this message is pre-recorded uh, for you. We're glad that you're joining us online, and I am glad that you are all here uh, this last weekend in June. Um, if you're not, if you haven't joined us in person, you may not know that we begin every single Sunday with with a few songs, and we also go into a time of prayer. Every single week, uh, we read the same exact Bible verse from James, and that's why Dan has it memorized, because he's been repeating it for like 600 Sundays, uh, if not more. But it's James 5, and it's verses 13, 14, and 15. And James writes, "Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray." Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. And so we read that verse every single week. Every week we have someone up here to pray with you. And the reason we do that is because we believe that people are going through stuff. You're going through stuff. Whether that's good stuff, James says, hey, great, praise. It's bad stuff, have an elder pray for you. And so every week we do that. And we have seen just remarkable things happen, not just through praying up here, but through our connection cards when people write on the back. We're going to talk about that today. Why do I, why do we as a church believe so much in this healing prayer stuff? Where did this come from? Is it biblical? What are we What are we talking about? And so today we're concluding our series, um, Naturally Supernatural. And in the past month, what I've been trying to encourage you to do, to challenge you to do, um, is to open yourself up to the supernatural ways that God wants to work in and through all of us. I do personally love the series that we do in the past in which we talk about logic and reason, and we talk about the ways that you and I can practically understand God, the very natural ways that we can understand God. God meets us very naturally in a lot of ways. But sometimes those series, sometimes those studies, we get to the end of it and we think that we've got God figured out. We, we think that we know God, how God works, how God operates. Maybe there are a few things that we don't quite understand. And what begins to happen is we get, begin to put God in a box. We begin to put God in a box and what we deem as plausible or possible. And that can be different depending on where you grew up, what kind of family you grew up in, your church background, if any. These are the things that kind of construct the box that we put God in. So for some of you, your box says God can heal people. Absolutely. For some of you, your box may not include that. For some of you, your box may include that God speaks to other people to you, through other people to you. Your box may include that. It may not. You may believe that people can speak in tongues, that that's a gift that's been given. You may believe that we can hear from God. You may believe that God is compassionate or that God isn't compassionate. We have all these things that we've kind of walled up and how we understand God. And the challenge of this series has been to open the box. Open the box. Yes, we can understand God. And that that in and of itself is a gift that we can understand God and relate to him, um, humanly speaking. But when we open up the box, there's this supernatural aspect of God in which he can surprise us and do more for us and with us and through us and in us than any of us imagined. I really believe that for those of you who have immersed yourself in the past few weeks of this study and all of the messages and talks are available online, but I believe that if you immerse yourself in the study the past four weeks and put what we've talked about into practice, okay, supernatural practice, uh, put supernatural put into natural practices, 
that you will have a renewed relationship with God. But I do want to clarify on this last week that the reason we're doing this series is not, it is not to just pursue the supernatural in and of itself to see some sort of powerful thing happen. We're not trying to use God. We're not trying to force God. We're not trying to make something happen in the supernatural because we want to see something, because we want to have our minds blown. That's not it at all. The point of this series has been to pursue the presence of God and recognizing that supernatural power is part of that pursuit, is part of getting to know God. And for so many of us, whether you're online or in the room, for so many of us, I would bet that the supernatural part of your relationship with God is the part that you've been missing out on. It's the supernatural. Maybe at some point it's happened. Maybe it kind of happens every now and then, but it's super duper rare. But I want you to know that you can experience the supernatural activity with God in your day-to-day life. You absolutely can. And not only can you, I believe that you should. I believe it's completely possible. I believe that you are meant to experience it every single day. And so we're letting God out of the box. And one of the things that we want to talk about today is, does God heal? So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how can we hear from God? And we gave out some practical tools on how we can hear from God. Last week, we talked about prophetic speech. And we talked about how most of what we understand to be prophetic speech in, in 2022 in our Western society actually isn't biblical prophetic speech. And we talked about what biblical prophetic speech was. And this week, we want to talk about does God heal? One of the naturally supernatural activities that God has for you and me in this life is healing prayer. And I understand that for some of you, healing might sound something that's far-fetched. It's something that sounds kind of maybe even suspicious to you. Some of you, all of you, (laughs) have prayed for something. You've prayed for healing at some point in your life and it didn't happen. So it's understandable at this point in your life that you would be skeptical about healing prayer after such an experience where you say, God, please heal me. God, please heal so-and-so. And it doesn't happen. Now you're skeptical. Does God heal? How does God heal? Why does God heal some people? And why does he not heal other people? And it may make you want to just stop praying altogether. Well, if God doesn't answer all of them, I won't pray for any of them. And that would be a mistake. You should not stop praying. I really like what William Temple had to say about this. He is an Anglican priest in the early 1900s. He said, when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. When I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. So don't give up praying. Continue to pray. We don't know when that prayer is going to be a yes. We don't know when it's going to be a no. Now, I want to assure you that this is not the same line of logic as hanging some garlic on your front door because Dracula might be real. That is not what this is at all. This line of logic is biblical. Healing prayer is biblical. In the beginning, we read that God created everything and that everything was good. And in Genesis, we read how um, there was no sickness in Genesis. And when God first created everything in Eden, there was no sickness. There was no death. There was no brokenness. There was no injustice. In the garden, people flourished. Men and women side by side as partners were stewarding the earth and had everything that they need. But as we know, that is very short-lived because sin enters into the world based on the 
poor choices that people make, the selfish choices that we make, not to worship God, but out of a desire to be worshiped as God, our selfish decisions. And as such, sin brought with it, not just a supernatural chain reaction to the world, but a natural one. And now sickness and death have entered the world. Anyone who has ever had a sore throat or a skin knee, you've experienced sin very naturally. Because before sin, that wouldn't have happened. There's a natural reaction to sin, but there's also a supernatural reaction to sin. And since this part of the story, the fall of humanity, God has been enacting a plan to redeem all of creation back to what creation was meant to be. And through Jesus and the kingdom that he came to establish, God wants to redeem and restore all of those things back to his original intentions, which include no sickness, no death, no brokenness, no injustice. It's talking about healing humanity naturally and supernaturally. And this is what is promised. This is the vision we get at the end of Revelation when John foresees that the culmination of God's redemptive plan is when we get to be with God and the kingdom of heaven is near and there is, he says, no sickness, there's no death, there's no more crying, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering in this new heaven and this new earth. It's a wonderful vision that we get at the end of Revelation and it's one that we look forward to. But what do we do now? Because in case you didn't know, we're in the middle of that. We're in between the garden and we're in between heaven. And so you and I, we do. We experience pain and suffering and sickness. And it's not what God intended for us. And in some cases, we might even be able to experience healing. It's important for us to be aware of that. Sickness and death was never, ever a part of God's original intention. And at some point, God promises to wipe those things off the face of of the universe. And this includes our physical bodies. Again, it's not just supernatural. It's not just our souls, our spirits. It's our natural physical bodies. And we see this in the compassion that Jesus has for the sick. Jesus doesn't spend his earthly ministry saying, I know you're hungry. I know you're thirsty. I know you're sick. I know you're blind. Don't worry about it. I'm here. The good news is here. All you got to do is have faith in me. You'd be very hard pressed to find examples of that in the New Testament. What we see is Jesus going around and saying, are you hungry? I will feed you. Are you thirsty? I'll give you something to drink. You're blind. I can help you see again. And then he addresses the spiritual need. As a matter of fact, Matthew summarizes uh, Jesus's ministry like this in Matthew 4. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. There's your supernatural kind of stuff. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. See, sometimes in our Christian kind of subculture, if you're a believer in the room, you might get very focused on the front part of that. We just need to teach. We just need to teach and we just need to announce the good news. But that's not all Jesus did. It says that Jesus healed every kind of disease and illness. Healing was a central part of that proclamation. When Jesus said the good news was here, he offered healing to people. And huge crowds gathered from all over the place, not just to hear this teacher from Galilee, but they gathered from all over the world to experience his healing touch. They gathered from all over to experience a miracle. But Jesus wasn't just a healer. There was greater purpose in every healing. For Jesus, the healings were a sign of the new things that God was doing in society. It was a foretaste of this heaven in which we're all looking forward to, this new heaven and this new earth. 
It was God saying, this is how I intended things to be. But it wasn't just Jesus. It wasn't just Jesus's ministry. We see that his very first followers were instructed to do the same thing. In Luke 9, Jesus instructs his followers. One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. And then he sent them out to tell everyone about the good, the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Aha, we begin to see it again. It's not just Jesus who's proclaiming and healing. Now Jesus has given his disciples the ability to heal and proclaim. Jesus doesn't say, just go out there and tell them about me. Go out there and bring them back to me and I will heal them. Jesus says, I will give you the power to go out and tell them about me and to heal them. Healing and proclamation were combined. They were tied together. They were interwoven in those first disciples in Jesus's ministry and in those first disciples' ministries. But it wasn't just Jesus, and it wasn't just the first disciples. After Jesus died, rose again, ascended into heaven, all of his followers, all believers, began to do the things that Jesus had been doing. And healing was a central part of the early church for hundreds of years. It was the central part of the church. When there were bad diseases and plagues going around in the world, this is historically um, accurate. You can verify this. When there were bad plagues and diseases going around, uh, family members would abandon their sick, their spouses, their kids, their elderly. They would abandon. They don't want to die. And it was the Christians who suited up and went in and ministered to people who prayed for their healing, but also delivered medicine and cared for them, oftentimes getting sick and dying themselves. Because to them, they saw that this healing ministry was so intertwined with the gospel, you just couldn't separate it. You couldn't proclaim and not offer healing. They were always together. There's a story in Acts, shortly after the the birth of the early church, in which there's a man who can't walk. He was sitting, he was begging every day at the same place. He kind of just became a staple in the community. You knew if you were coming up to this place, there would be this guy who was begging for money couldn't walk again. And uh, Peter and John are coming up to him and he thinks that Peter and John are going to be able to give him money. Um, But he got a lot more than that. Peter tells him in Acts 3, 6, I don't have any silver or gold for you. Womp, womp. That's what he wanted. But I will give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and he began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God. And he went to the temple with them. So here's a guy, he can't walk. He's been paralyzed. He's just begging for money. Peter says, I don't have any money to give you. I got something better. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And then they go to the temple together. And this wasn't a healing for healing's sake. Peter says, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Faith in Jesus' name, healing and proclamation. Proclamation and healing. We see this example again and again. Jesus, the disciples, the early church, they're always together. And let me point out that what's amazing about this story is how much more God did than just simply heal the man. He did way better than just give him some money. He healed him, but then he used this miracle to show other people the love that he has for them. And it was through this story 
that we're told that other people come to faith in Jesus. Which brings me to this point that the reason that healing and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus go together so much is because healing is a part of our mission. And it continues to be a part of our mission today in 2022 in Madison, at Madison Church. Because when people are healed, when the supernatural happens, when they've run out of answers with with the doctors, the medical clinics, when they've run out of answers and they come to Jesus and a miracle happens, they're like, well, I should investigate this a little more because these things don't just happen. And there are plenty of people who have experienced healing in our church in a variety of different ways. One of my favorite stories, I think about um, one of my best friends, Judd, his wife, um, Alyssa, for, for years, as I understand it, or at least a year, but maybe more years, they were trying to get pregnant with no luck. And I remember, as you probably do too, um, it scarred you for life, right? Uh, we prayed for them at our small group. We said, hey, they really want a baby. We're gonna lay hands on them and we're gonna pray. And we're gonna believe that, that whatever's going on, I don't know if we called it healing, but we're going to pray that whatever's going, God's going to heal the situation. They want a baby. They have this longing in their heart. We're going to pray. So we prayed. We put our hands on them. This is a true story. Judd's here. He can verify it. Um, We put our hands on them. We prayed. And it was a couple months later that Alyssa came back and said, hey, I'm pregnant. I mean, it was years of trying, years of trying. We're gathering together. I think it was a prayer course. It was a Bible study group. We're getting together to proclaim the gospel, to teach but we're also like, hey, they want to be healed. Let's heal. So they get pregnant with, with Zaire. We didn't know just how effective that prayer was, though, because a few months um, after Zaire was born, they found out they were pregnant with Amari. And so we said, okay, God, no, we just, it was only supposed to be one, but, you know, he's the God of abundance and blessing, right? So now you've got a couple kids. And, and I love that story because it's the reminder that we come together, not just for this, not just the study of the Bible. We do that, absolutely. Not just to proclaim the gospel. We absolutely do that. But we get together and we pray. And because we prayed, I believe this. I think Judd believes this. Because we prayed, Judd's family is radically different. His legacy is different. His family tree has been forever changed because of prayers that we prayed at the Leisure Center years ago in a meeting room. That's what healing prayer does. That's why we expect it. That's why we believe it. And it is something that you don't have to be me. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be clergy. All of you have been given access to this. That's what we read in Acts, that this was a gift to all of the followers of Jesus. There aren't just special people who can heal now because we are not the source of the healing. Jesus is. God is the source of the healing. But we can introduce it to people. We can invite them into that. And so as you begin to think of your life between Sundays, from the time you leave here to the time you come back, or is there someone in your life who is sick, who is ill, who is dealing with something that you're like, man, I should... I should pray. You think that it'd be great if you could get them here and they could pray up here. Or you think, I'll just write it down on the prayer card. And those are all good options. But I'm gonna challenge you, encourage you this week that if there's someone in your life who is going through something, would you step out and offer to pray for them? Offer to pray for them and believe that God could heal them. But don't just do that, but this combination of also proclaiming. And you might be saying, Stephen, that sounds really, really intense. How would I even begin to do that? And I'm going to give you a foundation here. And it's an acronym called HEAL 
So I hope it's easy for you to remember. And then at the end of it, if you want to take a picture of it, you certainly can. If you're taking notes, go ahead, jot this down. Again, this isn't a formula. That's what I, I run the risk when I want to get very practical. I run the risk of you thinking that this is a formula. If I just do A, B, C, and D, then boom, it's going to happen. It's not a formula, but this is where to start. And the H stands for how. So when you're coming up to somebody this week or in the next couple of weeks or in this month, simply ask the question, how can I pray for you? Like, don't assume you know. Don't assume that they want to be healed. Don't assume that they're looking for this. We want to ask. And you might be surprised, one, at their answer. Like, you might be, how can I pray for you? And it might be something totally not even on your radar at all. But the second thing I think that's going to surprise you is that a lot of people are very receptive to that. Just let people know sometimes that I'm praying for them. They tell me that they're going through something. I say, oh, I'll pray for you for that. And then they're always kind of surprised, like, thank you. I was just thinking about that today as someone that we know um, who, who lives in our neighborhood has COVID. And I was reading all the Facebook posts, you know, get well soon, get well soon. And I noticed that out of like 35 comments, none of them were, I will pray for you. And so I thought, well, I'll be the first one here. That's, a, you know, I'll pray for you. And as I was reading, I was like, wow, out of the 30, 40 people who talked to this person, I was the only one who said, I'll pray for you. And I thought, how many other times in my life is that a possibility? Like in your life and in my life, that may not be true because you have a Madison Church community. And so you know that you can put it on the prayer card. You know you can come up here and pray. So you know you have people praying for you. But do the people you work with, live with, do they know that somebody is praying for them? So just ask. Don't assume what they need. Just say, how can I pray for you? And then the E, explain. Explain what you're about to do. Ask them. And I do this too up front. Um, if you've gotten prayer with me, I will ask if it's okay if I put my hand on your shoulder or hold your hand. You don't just want to go and grab someone's hand. You know, how can I pray for you? Well, my shoulder's been bothering me. Great. Let's pray and grab their hand. You know, that might scare them a little bit. Don't do that. Just say, I would love to pray for you. Can I pray for you right now? Because let's be honest that for a lot of us, we say we're going to pray for someone and we get busy and we don't. And we feel guilty about it later. Or what's worse is that somebody feels better and they say, thanks for praying for me and you didn't. You're like, no problem. (laughs) Now I am going to pray as I ask God for forgiveness. (laughs) But explain, say, I would just love to, I will pray for you this week. I absolutely will. But I'd love to pray for you right now. That's a great way to not forget to pray for someone. And it doesn't have to be long and drawn out. You can take them by the hand if they give you permission to do that. They may say, don't do that. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to hold hands. There's not a formula for that. But just pray. Explain what you're about to do. I'm going to pray. I believe um, it's not a power that I have. First, clarify that. It's not a power that I have, but I believe that God enjoys healing people. I believe that that's part of the promise that we have today. Um, And then ask. Do it. Pray. Pause. And ask God to heal the person. And remember, the pressure is not on you. You're not the healer. You're not the magician. This is God through you doing a work. And then finally, listen. Listen by asking follow-up questions. Ask them, did you feel anything? Ask them, did you sense that God was telling you anything? Ask, did, did you feel like anything happened? Was that good? Was that not good? I'll continue to pray for you. Is there something that I prayed about that you thought I, I, I missed the mark on that I should change when I pray for you um, later this week? Finally, listen. And it's by doing these four things, this is how you can get started um, in praying. And I realized I messed up the header on that. This is how to pray um, <laughs> for healing. Now, I want to get to one obvious thing, which is like, what do we do when God doesn't? What do we do when God doesn't? Because there is a possibility that after everything that we've talked about today, that God still doesn't heal someone. 
That's a deeper question. And it can keep us just, it can keep us from praying for healing, but I don't think that it should. Um, I've shared this story in the past, but it's this, it's the story of my uncle Joel. He passed away um, nearly 20 years ago from multiple sclerosis. Um, we didn't pray a whole lot growing up, but I do remember we prayed every day for Uncle Joel's healing. We didn't always go to church. We didn't pray about everything, but man, we always, 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 uh, me and my little brother, you know, I'd be nine, he was seven, and we would be praying, God, just heal my Uncle Joel from multiple sclerosis. And, and, and God, and, you know, we believed it. As kids, we believed you just ask God and God's going to do it. And, and why wouldn't God want to heal my Uncle Joel, right? Why wouldn't he? But God didn't answer our prayers. He didn't answer the prayers of many people. It wasn't just our family. It was our entire family. It wasn't just our entire family. It was communities. It was churches. We were all praying for him. And my Uncle Joel, he passed away. He left behind a wife. He left behind four little kids. And it was so hard to understand, especially to us little kids who just thought, you just pray and God heals. Why wouldn't God want to heal my uncle, my dad's brother, my grandma's son, my cousin's dad, my aunt's husband? But one of the things that we found out that we talk about a lot since all of that had happened was how my Uncle Joel might not have been cured, but he was healed. He might not have been cured, but he was healed. Because in his own words, my Uncle Joel told people he didn't want to be healed from the MS. Because while he grew up in and around the church, faith was never his own. And faith wasn't something he prioritized. But since getting sick, he found God and faith became a very big deal to him. And he was slightly worried. If I am healed, what will that do to my faith journey? Will I be encouraged and strengthened? Or will I walk away again? And he thought the risk of walking away again, he, he, the risk, if I get better and there's this chance that I could turn my back on God again, I just don't want to get better. And so while we were praying for healing and we thought that that healing was going to be a physical cure, Healing in this sense was a spiritual freedom that he found and all of us today, rest assured, knowing where he is now. He is in a place where multiple sclerosis doesn't exist. He's in a place where there, there is no skin, knees, or sore throats. There, he's in a place where there's no more crying. He's in a place where he'll never experience death again. Now, does that make that any easier necessarily for us who are left behind, especially his kids? No, not necessarily. I bet that they would say, dad, we love you, but we disagree with you. We want you to be cured, right? But we have to begin to think bigger that when we pray for healing, that maybe God is healing, just not in the way that you and I think that he is. We have to open up the box and say that maybe when I'm praying for healing, I expect God to do this. That's your box, but I need to open up the box and trust that God is going to do something different. Remember that through healing, we're not seeking a power. This isn't about me being a healer or being perceived as a healer or you being perceived that way. It's about God's presence and sharing God's presence with the people around us. And it's about sharing that presence so that they can have a restored relationship with God. With God. So why keep asking though, if it seems like God isn't answering your prayers? It's because Jesus tells us to. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I don't know what it is you've been praying for. 
Maybe it's just been a few hours. Maybe it's been years. I don't know if that prayer is necessarily for you or someone else. Don't stop praying. Jesus tells us, keep on asking. Don't stop. Don't give up. This is about persistence. You never know when the last time you pray for something is going to be the last time that you have to pray for something. So let's take a moment in our closing moments to invite the Holy Spirit to come here today. I know that it's hard to believe if, based on our experience of healing prayer, if it can happen anyway, but I want you to open up the box that we have put God in and to believe that we should expect God to heal people. Let's close in the prayer that we've been praying every week. God, we just pray that you would expand our vision, embolden our hearts, and release your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.